How many of you believe in miracles? Okay. You're in the right place. That's good. Miracles seem to be a part of the subjective world of experience. Some claim to have seen a miracle. Others would say, yeah, I've never seen a miracle. Well, after the terrorist attacks on September 11th on the trade towers in the Pentagon, we heard of many miracles or examples of divine intervention, things that just happened. They just happened. One such happening was highlighted by a television news crew. At the World Trade Center, a custodian just happened to get on the elevator with six other people going up towards the 80th floor. The elevator came to an abrupt halt due to the power failure caused by the jet crashing into the building above them. When the smoke began seeping into the elevator, those trapped inside forced the elevator doors open and found themselves facing a solid sheet rock wall. They could not break through this wall to escape. But the custodian had a squeegee. And with this improvised tool, they dug and chipped away at the double-layered sheetrock wall until there was an opening. And then they broke through the sheetrock and all six of them escaped down a stairwell exiting the building just before the entire building collapsed. Was it a miracle that the custodian got on that exact elevator at that exact time with that exact equipment? Those on the elevator thought so. They would tell you that was a miracle. Miracles. We hear of miracles all the time. Unusual occurrences explained only in supernatural terms. We read of the news account of a lost baby girl in Africa who was protected by three lions who stayed with her until her searchers arrived to rescue her and then they melted away and disappeared. A miracle? I would say so. Most people in America today believe in miracles. The intervention in human affairs by some divine being. And many would say they've experienced or seen a miracle. Miracles. How do miracles happen? What brings a miracle about? And who decides? Who performs the miracles? We don't have time to exhaust the subject today of miracles, but we are going to look at one miracle in the life of Jesus, demonstrating his power over the impossible. Today we're going to look at the making of a miracle, elements of a miracle. So if you need a miracle today, or you may need one soon from now, this is for you. I'd like you to turn with me to Luke 7. Luke 7 is on page 838 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. And I'll be reading from the first verse of Luke 7. Luke 7, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they plead, pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. 
So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. If this were a drama, we would discover that the two main characters never appear on stage. The centurion and the servant who was dying. But this was their story. A military officer in the Roman army, very well thought of by the Jewish people, needed a miracle. How did it come about? What's the making of a miracle? The first element of making of a miracle is a crisis of need. Crisis of need. This military man likely had a lot going for him. He had all the advantages of a successful career. A great reputation as a benevolent leader. Benevolent people are usually pretty happy. They're happy with their life and their circumstances. He was probably wealthy because he had built the local synagogue out of his own pocket with his own funds. This man was connected. Life was pretty good for this first century Roman. But as, as happens to all of us sooner or later, he experienced something he could not handle. A crisis of need. Something bigger than he could handle. A circumstance that was out of his control. This man had a need. He had an obstacle, a problem, and he had no solution. His valued, trusted, and loved servant was dying, and he could do nothing. He could do nothing about it. In first century Palestine, servants were like one of the family, like a son or daughter. This is a crisis, a crisis of need. And the first element of the making of the miracle is a crisis of need. Sometimes God allows circumstances in our lives, yours and mine, to help us see our need. God allows things to come into our lives, obstacles, problems, or situations out of our control. Money can't solve it. Medicine won't cure it. Mediation won't solve, resolve it. It's beyond our ability to find a solution. So we say, I need a miracle. That's when we realize, I need God. This man had that. And we have that. The second part of this crisis of need, in the middle of this, this man had credible information. Credible information. Verse 3 says, a centurion heard of Jesus. Now you wonder, what exactly had he heard about Jesus? Doesn't say exactly, was he, did he hear he was a carpenter? That he used to live in Nazareth? He was a star in his high school rugby team? He graduated magna cum laude from Jerusalem U. What did, he, what did he heard about Jesus? We can think of all things, all kinds of things. He had heard that Jesus had done miracles. 
Jesus had done miracles. He heard stories of Jesus' healings, his teachings, his, his love and compassion. He didn't ask Jesus to come and speak at his servant's anticipated funeral. He asked Jesus to come and heal his servant. Hearing about Jesus, hearing credible evidence about a God who cares, a God who intervenes on behalf of his people. And in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of pain, in the middle of fear, sorrow, this man heard of Jesus. And hearing about Jesus produced something, something we all need. It produced faith. Faith. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. He heard a message that brought faith. Credible information, a credible message. Hearing about Jesus produces faith. People today all around us need to hear about Jesus. People, they need to know that people matter to God, that he loved, loved people so much he sent Jesus his son to bring life to bring healing, to die, and to actually bring miracles, to perform miracles. Back then as now, we need, all of us need credible information. The story of Jesus, that Jesus cares and will meet our needs. Jesus cares and will meet the needs of people around us because Jesus does miracles. It was that message that brought the next element of the making of the miracle. This element, as we see woven through the series, of building our faith in, in the life of Jesus. This was hope with faith. Number three, hope with faith. In the middle of an impossible crisis, no possibility of helping this guy live, the message brought hope and faith. Good information, God's word produces hope, and with that hope comes faith. This guy needed to have hope. He needed to know that something could happen. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. That's faith. That's faith. Could this man see the power of God? Only by faith. Can we see an antibiotic working on someone infected? No. Can we see a statin-like cholesterol working to lower high cholesterol? No. We, there are a lot of things that we do by faith, having, having faith in what we cannot see. We exercise faith every day in things we cannot see, whether it's the air we breathe or the Internet email we send. As we talked about before, Faith has to have an object, and this man's faith was in Jesus. Faith is always in someone or something. Faith is not the abstract concept of fatalism. Oh, it'll all work out at the end, or if the fates allow. Fatalism is not faith. Fatalism is not Christianity. Faith in Christian belief is directed at someone in whom we believe and trust in a person, a benevolent, loving God who sent Jesus so we could understand intellectually and we could be redeemed spiritually. The making of a miracle, a credible message about Jesus in whom we place our faith 
and hope. Do you need a miracle today? Do you know somebody that needs a miracle today? Where is your hope or faith? Where is your faith? Is it in the stock market? Silicon Valley Bank? Is it in your business? Is it in your job? Is it placed in your family or your spouse? We should have faith in our family and spouse. Is it in your doctor or surgeon? Is it in your therapist, in your children? We ought to have faith and hope in all these things. But when our crisis of need transcends all things human, our hope and faith are in Jesus, in Jesus alone. Jesus alone. Then we have the beginning of a miracle. So in this crisis of need with, incred with credible information, hope and faith in Jesus, this man takes the next step in the making of a miracle. Number four, something we don't think about very often, it was to recognize Jesus' authority. Recognize Jesus' authority. In verse six, in verse six he said, he was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go. And he goes, one says, come, and he comes. I say, do this, and he does it. Wow. These words that we just read are among the most profound in all the Bible. They're among the most profound words in all the Bible. This soldier's faith is simple. It's not simplistic. It's simple. He recognizes as a heathen Roman that all authority comes from God. That's remarkable coming from a pagan Roman. This Roman centurion understands authority. He understands the chain of command. And he illustrates it from his own experience. As a military officer, he had learned to receive orders and how to execute orders. He had come to expect obedience to his commands. He understands that the extent of one's own authority is determined by the authority over him. He is under Caesar's command, and his authority is granted because he's under Caesar's authority. What he does is only because he has been given authority. How many of you in grade school served on school patrol? Okay. I, I got a chance in sixth grade to serve on school patrol. It was awesome. I was given a badge, a belt, a hat, and a flag. I was given authority. Authority. All I had to do was step on the intersection, extend my flag, and cars would stop. It was amazing what I could do with that flag and that belt and the badge. A mere child stopping two tons of steel. The government gave us kids authority, and they had to be obeyed. People obeyed. Have you ever tried to stop a semi-truck? You dig in, you lay down, you can put your shoulder against it. Good luck. It's not going to work. Yet a police officer can stop a multi-ton driving rig with a palm of his hand. How? He's given authority to do that. All the power in the state of Wisconsin stands behind that hand. Therefore, he has the power to stop that truck. 
authority is given and authority is exercised. And that's powerful. That's powerful. The power of God resided in and resides in Jesus. All he had to do was speak the word. The centurion recognized that and said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. He realized Jesus didn't have to even be there. This guy made it clear he did not consider it necessary for Jesus to be present to perform the miracle. Why was that? What did he see? Was Jesus under authority? Yes, he was, and he is. To God the Father. He lived in submission to his Father. In Philippians 2, an amazing passage that talks about the character of Jesus. Verse 5 says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, here's where it comes, here's where it comes. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus. Authority. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. Matthew 28, 18, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This authority was wielded because Jesus had always been perfectly submitted to the will of his Father. One supreme authority. Now, how all the functions within the Godhead community known as the Trinity is a whole study in itself. But basically, Jesus was in oneness under the authority of God. He was God. He is God. Do you want a miracle? Do you need a miracle? Recognize Jesus' authority to perform them. The fifth element of the miracle is place ourselves under Jesus' authority. Place ourselves under Jesus' authority. Is Jesus your leader today? Have you given your life to him? We call it making Jesus our Lord, having faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus. And this belief in Jesus is much more than some kind of an intellectual exercise. This man, the centurion, had placed his faith and trust in Jesus. His actions demonstrated that he was under Jesus' authority. He recognized that the entire physical realm, even sickness and disease, were under Jesus' authority. Therefore, the only answer to his problem was Jesus. And he recognized he wasn't even worthy for Jesus to come to his home. And Jesus was amazed, and he made the statement of this man. I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Faith, demonstrated by his actions, placed this man under Jesus' authority, and he said, Jesus, do whatever you will. Do whatever you will.
today we tend to be a law unto ourselves. We've taken the American ideal of freedom and autonomy and independence into every area of our life. We say, you know what? I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody. Don't tell me what to do until we have a crisis of need. And God says to us today, recognize your need, recognize Jesus' authority, place yourself under Jesus' authority. I will make a miracle. People don't like to be under authority. We just don't like it. It seems un-American. But every place we go, we are under somebody's authority. Driving on the freeway, it's a highway patrol. At work, someone is in charge. Even CEOs answer to their boards. Business owners answer to their customers, regulators, and the IRS. You go into a restaurant, the maitre d' tells you where to sit. Judy and I went into a restaurant not long ago, and they said, sit wherever you want. I, I didn't know what to do. So how does the authority work in the church, the body of Christ, the kingdom of God? God set up the church, and Jesus is the head of it. And he has placed leaders and people who do ministry in every church. As your pastor, I ex exercise authority only as it's given me. Every church denomination works differently. First and foremost, I am accountable to God. I was recommended by our superintendent, whom I'm accountable to. I'm a, the chairman of the board, but I'm also accountable to the board. I both lead the board and work for the board. I lead the congregation, I work for the congregation in servant leadership. It's really complicated being a pastor, just so you know. Servant leadership. But I can only exercise the leadership that I'm granted from above, no more, no less. Now God, God chose to set up his church the church universal, not just the Wesleyan church, but set it up as his spiritual authority. His church, his body, his agent to work in the world. And I ask God all the time, you know, you should have had a better idea because people are just human. You know, we just are not very good at obeying God and being under his authority and exercising that. But God has placed us, you, under authority and given you authority. You can pray and God will answer. You can pray for the healing of someone and God will heal. Not because you have the power or I have the power because Jesus has the power and he's granted that authority to his people to release his power to minister life Sometimes we think, oh, only certain people can do that. No. The body of Christ is under authority. And I'm not talking about some kind of crazy cult-like authority. But we have to have some kind of structure and some kind of meaning. You know, when we talk about the fact that every person in the body of Christ has a, has a purpose. Now, look at the human body. The brain directs all the functions. Someone has to coordinate the arms and legs, eyes and ears, etc. Is any part of the human body any more important than the others? You, you can argue for the heart 
is more important than the appendix or tonsils. Yeah, you can say that. But every part of our body is important. And every part must function in an orderly way. And the church is the same way, where God has placed people in this body to function for the health of the entire body and as a mission to reach people who don't know Jesus. And we experience the power of God through Jesus Christ as we stand united, connected to the body, the church. That's where we are under authority, exercising authority, experiencing the power of God's Holy Spirit as he flows through his body, the church. And the authority we exercise will be the result of the authority we obey. If we refuse to submit, we'll never have the authority or have real faith or real power. We don't make miracles. We place ourselves under Jesus and he makes it happen. And he's just waiting for us to ask. Question, have you placed yourself under Jesus' authority? Fundamental question. Is he your boss? Is he your leader? Is he in charge of your life? And are you connected to his body, a local church, to live out that life? God doesn't need a church or the church to do his work, but he's chosen the church to do his work. He's chosen you. He's chosen you to do that. Do you need a miracle today? Do you know someone that needs a miracle today? God wants to do miracles. Seeing a need, believing the message, having hope and faith, recognizing Jesus' authority, and placing ourselves under Jesus' authority. Then it's ask. Ask. I'm going to ask the worship team in just a minute to come up. We're going to do, we, we've, at the end of our service, we've done some different things. And we're, we're kind of switching it up. I believe that there are people here today that need a miracle. Now, you don't have to come to the altar. You can stay where you are, seated, if you want to raise your hand and say, I need prayer. But we're going to take some time. I'm going to ask uh, for some people, uh, Vern, if you come on up, and, and Randy, we're going to pray. And any other anybody else in leadership, Kurt, come on up. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pray for miracles today. Um, we're gonna, we're just gonna take five to seven minutes of, of worship as we uh, as we sing the song uh, "House of Miracles." We want this to be a house of miracles. And if there's a time you have to leave and go, we just ask that we just stay in an attitude of worship and and uh, meditation as we pray. We have, if you need a physical miracle of healing, uh, we have oil. The Bible says if one of you is sick, call for the leadership and anoint with oil. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. So whatever your need is. And if you want to come up, that's awesome. If you want to stay where you are and just put your hand up, that's fine too. But let's just take some time as we just the next few minutes, five to ten minutes, whatever. And if you have to leave, feel free to quietly slip out during this time. But let's take some time as the body of Christ to do this.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you want us to be used to do miracles. And you want to do miracles. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would make this a house of miracles. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would quicken our faith and that we would realize you want to heal. You want to answer prayer. You want to provide financially. You want to do all those things. And so we just pray for these things. In Jesus' name.